0: Hello there, welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. Hope you're well. How are you? It's been a while since we've spoken on, on a Friday anyway, because of the whole Christmas and New Year thing, you know, timing dates, nothing much I could do about the fact that Christmas Day was on a Friday, and nothing much I could do about the fact that New Year's Day was on a Friday, and there was very little chance of any arse casting happening. But James and I have been here keeping you up to date, so you should be up to date. You should know all the stuff that's been going on from an arsehole point of view. That's right, top of the table, loads of people injured, still haven't made any signings, Everyone's sitting around, you know, waiting for, for El Neni, so just sitting there. Come on, El Nanny, where, where are you, man? Everyone's waiting for you. Oh, you know, we're being very patient. It's now the, the 7th, I think. Yeah? 7th of January. And we're, we're being patient. Nobody's going mad. But, you know, come on, man. International clearance, work permits, visas, all these things can be sorted by high flying, hot shot, well suited lawyers well-suited lawyers well no you know what i mean lawyers in good suits or even lawyers in terrible suits they can probably sort that stuff an awful lot quicker so what's going on maybe i'm putting the blame on the wrong guy maybe he's just itching to go he's got his bags packed waiting to head to london and and something else is holding him back maybe it's you know um us arsenal but that doesn't ring true at all does it no doesn't. We don't have any track record of dilly-dallying and taking our time over transfer deals that appear to be relatively simple, so I don't know what the holdup could be there. But we're all still waiting for El Neni, so that's that's what we're going to do. What else can we do but just sit and wait and eventually he'll arrive or he won't and life will go on and, and nobody will react in any way over the top or in a bad way if, if he doesn't come at this point. You know, I think we have got. I think we've got to float that as a possibility. You know, it was happening; it was going to be all soon, and then, and then nothing. So we, we've got to throw it out there that, that maybe it's not going to happen at all. You realise, of course, this is my double bluff, my uh, my way of making this happen. Because by the time I finish this podcast, Arsenal will probably have announced the signing, making these opening minutes uh, completely redundant. But there you go. We will find out in due course what is going to happen with El Nino and that. Uh, excuse my voice. It's a little bit croaky. Uh, I've got some kind of cold or thing. So everything's a little bit so creakety and croakety and, and all that kind of stuff. So my apologies for that. It is January, though, and maybe that's a time when after all the indulgence of uh, Christmas tends to catch up on you a bit. You know, everyone does these detox things, don't they? In January, they buy new training gear. They go running a couple of times, join a gym and all that kind of stuff, you know, but what's the point? What is the point? We're all going to die sooner or later. You know, we might as well enjoy ourselves while we're here. Are you really enjoying yourself with a bullet, with, you know, a kale smoothie for breakfast? No, you're fucking not. Come on. Life is too short and too precious to pretend that putting some plant stalks and leaves into a device that provides you with a cup full of mulch that you wouldn't use to fertilize a fucking garden is somehow tasty and nutritious and good for you. Come on, give it a rest. Do a bit less, maybe, of what you were doing before Christmas, but, you know, don't get suckered into all that kind of shite. Anyway, I made some uh, New Year's resolutions. I made two. Every year, I make two New Year's resolutions, and every year, one of those resolutions is never to make any more resolutions. However, this year, I've got two, two resolutions that I'm going to share with you now. My first resolution is to eat less grapes, and my second resolution is to annoy people who get hung up on prescriptive grammar more often, more oftener. Yeah, I think I'm doing quite well so far. These are up there with my uh, most successful resolutions ever, I have to say. Yeah. So far, so good for 2016. That's all I can tell you. So, look, today, because we're heading into an FA Cup weekend, it's been pretty quiet. You know, we beat Newcastle in our last game, and we're top of the table and that. And we already discussed all that on the uh, on the Arscast Extra on Monday. Uh, it's it's kind of quiet. So, um thought what I would do is a bit later on we'll look at all the bits and pieces of team news and what have you ahead of that Sunderland game and what we might do, but you might remember on the very first Arscast of the season I sat down in studio with Ken Early, football writer and part of the second captain's podcast crew which I'm sure many of you listen to on a regular basis, and we talked about the season that lay ahead what did he think might happen, who might be champions, and Ken was very positive about Arsenal's chances of, of winning the title, so given that it is a relatively quiet week. Not much has happened apart from, you know, us being top of the table and all that kind of stuff. I thought it might be interesting to uh, sit down with Ken again, have like a half-term report. Let's look back at what happened in the first half of the season and let's look ahead to what might happen in the second half of the season, one that promises to be a very exciting one from an Arsenal point of view, given the position that we're in right now. So let's do that. Let's um, welcome back to the show. Ken Early. Hi, Ken. How you doing? How are you doing? How tricks? Very, very... Uh, well, they're fine. Yeah, that's good. My tricks are Okay,
1: thanks. Yeah. yeah, happy new year to you and to you too.
0: Um, how are you viewing uh this uh this season so far? Are you enjoying it?
1: Yeah, I am. It's 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 been a brilliant season. I mean, it's just kind of an all over the place, um, wacky races style, you know, <laughs> stupid. <Yeah. laughs> just you know, I think when Arsenal lost 4 0 uh to Southampton, you're just like, oh, this is amazing, you know, this doesn't really get any better than this, like,
0: yeah. And it is—it is one of those seasons where pretty much everybody can lose to everybody, and uh, you know Chelsea lost to pretty much everybody, and yeah. you know it, it, it is—it's um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well,
1: hey. that is amazing, isn't it? I mean, they failed to beat David as Manchester United as well. Yeah, uh, and uh, not beating Chelsea this season is a real well, apart from the Community Shield, I suppose, but um, it's a real shame.
0: Well, circumstances were a little, little bit weird in that game, you know. Yeah. But yeah, maybe that uh, speaks to a psychological issue that certain teams have with certain managers, like yeah. Mourinho never beat Alan Pardew, for example. So Did, did
1: he never actually manage to beat him? No, Pardew? I don't think so. I find that amazing. Yeah, uh, even when Pardew was with West Ham, back in the day, I don't know,
0: but that was the thing—he'd never beaten a Pardew side. That was what they were saying.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. Well, you know, Pardew's a pretty good manager. I think everybody is now agreed.
0: Yeah, apart from Newcastle fans. Yeah, I oh, know, but they
1: were wrong. <laughs> they, they were really wrong. So, yeah, maybe the wrong manager for Newcastle. Yeah, maybe so.
0: Maybe so. So, what? 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 What's your take on this season so far? Because it has been unusual in the sense that a team like Leicester were top for Uh, for a long time and have just maybe started to to slip away a bit and people have said that, well, this is because of declining standards, that the the big teams aren't as good as they were. But is it a case maybe that there's an equalization of talent and uh, ability throughout the league?
1: Yeah, there definitely is. Uh, I mean, this was kind of, I remember thinking this on the first day of the season when Swansea played Chelsea and played them off the park and only ended up drawing 2-2, I think, in the end, Chelsea kind of luckily got away with it. And Swansea's team, you suddenly noticed, was full of really good players. You know, Andre Aiu scored a goal that You think, what is a guy like this doing playing for Swansea? You know, he'd just come from Marseille. Um, It's obviously unthinkable that anybody would have done that just a a couple of years ago. The same thing with Dimitri Payet uh, going to West Ham, you know...
0: (laughs) Kabai just, going to PSG yeah, or a, to Crystal Palace to Crystal from PSG Palace.
1: you know it's a, th- these are kind of insane moves that, that could not have happened so suddenly you've got uh, these uh, teams which are the usual cannon teams are full of you know they have teeth and uh, I mean Swansea it turns out I <laughs> think a horrific season yeah, I thought Swansea were, were definitely going to be you know looking for or challenging for European place, and it turns out they're <clears throat> you know practically relegated Uh, or close to relegation. Um, But you could kind of see at that point, okay, this is, you know, all these games are are quite difficult, you know, for for the sides, the sort of big sides that were used to winning, you know, 75% of their matches. Um, it's going to be very difficult to win that many matches in in this league.
0: Yeah, do you think that's something that they they're going to have to get used to from a mindset point of view? Because often there's a case that, or people will say, well, look, if it's Manchester United playing against Swansea or Bournemouth or, or a team like that, that you know, we saw in the past Ferguson would rest lots of players to go into a game like that because it was the assumption that they would win because yeah. it was more than likely that they would win even if they did change their squad around a little yeah. bit so the big clubs are going to have to perhaps adjust to the way that they
1: think uh, when it comes to these Well, games. You had, do you remember I mean it's, it's it's burned on my memory the the time that Brian Robson's West Brom went to, w- went to play Chelsea do you remember that it was maybe 10 years ago and it was early in the season and Brian Robson the manager of West Brom Decided that Chelsea were so good, there was really no point in oh, playing. Yeah, yeah, his. Yeah, Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they lost like two nil or something like that. You know, I mean, Chelsea—it was just a, it was just a walkabout yeah. for them. You know, they didn't even have to try. And it was, and Robson was saying afterwards, well, you know, what, what you expect? You know, you, you expect me to, you know, to, to waste resources on a on a lost cause. You know, we can't, we can't possibly. So that this kind of that kind of rampant defeatism. You know, or was it was rampant uh, a while ago? I think you know, guys like Robson. I mean, he's not the only one, but there was that sort of attitude. Well, we can't get anything out of those games. We're in a we're in a mini league. You know, Steve Bruce was another manager who who's always talking about the mini league. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. As though like your games against the you know Man United don't count, uh, and it's all about what happens when you play against Sunderland, and uh, and that's just so depressing. You know, when when people have that attitude, then. There, there are going to be no contests you know what I mean so in I think that's that attitude has sort of disappeared now, yeah, I mean so you've got all of these everyone's saying well every each game is three points, and maybe we can do it yeah um i mean what's it's it's sort of interesting what's happening now when you look at the kind of football that's being played in the Premier League how um how it's it's really kind of okay, so you know the way over the last few years Barcelona are kind of meant to have reinvented what we think about the game, sure. um, you don't have to be, uh, you know, a super athlete. I'm not saying that, you know, Anderson yes isn't a super athlete in some ways, but it's not about, um, <clears throat> it's not about strength, power, speed. It's about uh, teamwork and technical ability and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, for a while... <laughs> People like, you know, Brendan Rodgers, Liverpool, you know, were trying to imitate this, you know, type of play. Arsene Wenger, I think, to an extent. But uh, what's happening in the Premier League now is a kind of a move to the opposite kind of football, I think, where um, the clubs have all this money, but there's very little of the kind of elite talent that you can actually... um, you, you know that that you can play barcelona type football with there's there's, there's very few of those players around mm. you can't get them i mean look at liverpool trying to replace you know they had suarez they had sterling and look at the way they've turned all that money into nothing you know they they're just trying to find trying to it's it's really difficult to find the the talent yeah. you know it's there's more money than there is talent what there is plenty of is athletic ability and sports science and uh, nutritionists, uh, <laughs> and and people who are, who are prepared to really work hard. Yeah, and I think you know, in, increasingly the the teams are all packed full of you know super athletes. I mean, the game is being played at a phenomenal speed now. It's I mean, this is so. Leicester are kind of the best example of of the way that it, of the way that it's gone. I mean, the team that's all about counter attacking speed. They. They're not interested in the ball most mm. of the time. You know, the more passes, less have are having move, the less likely they are to score. Uh, they ju- they just want to get the ball forward as quickly as possible, have a shot, and you know. So it's kind of so the Premier League is kind of moving to the opposite extreme. I think of football. It's like the rollerball type of football. <laughs> everyone thought. Remember, everyone thought this is what this is how the game was going to go about ten or eleven years ago. Uh, when say Chelsea bought Michael Essien, and there was a, there was a bunch of articles written at that time. Sen is the player of the future, you know. If you want to see the football of the future, imagine Michael Sen's face, a boot thing down on a human <laughs> knee, you know. Forever. This was the this was the idea for, for. And and in fact, what happened was Barcelona won the Champions League loads of times with these little yeah. dribbly passy guys, and everyone thought, oh man, so that's how you do
0: it. Isn't there sort of also a change in the sense that, that the football is a bit more attacking? That the teams that have had success are teams particularly if you look at Leicester, if you look at Watford, even if you look at somebody like Bournemouth who who haven't come up and and maybe managers like Sam Allardyce 10 years ago had this success and made Bolton into a top 10 team by being obdurate and defensive and big and strong and scoring goals from from set pieces. But Mm. now what we're seeing are teams actually... Willing to
1: attack, even if they are doing it on a a counter-attacking basis. Well, the difference between say Bolton, Sam Allardyce's Bolton back in the day, and all of those kinds of those Premier League teams that used to, uh, you know, get to a certain point. You know, Sunderland had a had a couple of decent seasons. You know, never one after the other. Um, You know, there was there was always kind of those solid tough to beat. Tony Pulis does that kind of team yeah. very well. But the difference now is that all these teams have fast players. Like, that used to be the, the thing that was so... that was difficult for, for clubs like that to, to actually get. But now you've got these, you know, lightning-quick uh, players. So you see, like, the guys at uh, Watford. You know, I mean, Igalo is like lightning. Balassie uh, at Crystal Palace is ridiculous. Yeah. You know? um, you've got... So, so that kind of... It's it's you know, I mean, if you remember if you think back to to the Bolton, this big Sam Bolton, I mean they were a decent team. You know, they had like a Kocha and, you know, Kevin Nolan. Ivan Campo. Yeah, but you know, if they were in if they were in their own half, you know, there was very little chance they were going to be up, you know, in your penalty area three seconds later, slamming the ball into the net. That just that just never happened. I mean it could be could, they couldn't do it. Kevin Davis couldn't do that. Whereas That's now sure. the 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 Premier League is full of teams who can do that. Um I mean, I don't know, The managers m- might be making some difference as well. I mean, um, Hugh Laurie at uh, at Watford, you know, is doing, <laughs> he's doing an amazing job. But you know, and there is this kind of flow of expertise. Maybe that. I mean, you look at the, the managers in the Premier League are now the real superstars. You know, uh, and it's all, and it's increasingly attracting all the superstars of management. So people who have gone and made their reputation elsewhere in you know sporting leagues, mm. then go to the Premier League where they are making five times as much money as they ever thought they could make. Sure. You know, it's kind of becoming like this uh you know all-star cast of of managers where but I don't know I kind of I kind of wonder if maybe the the best managers are actually doing their work elsewhere and once they actually once they sort of become famous then the Premier League says oh you you know we'll have you. Like for instance Jurgen Klopp is now at Liverpool. I'm not suggesting Jurgen Klopp is is not still a very good manager, but he did some great work, you know, six six years ago at Dortmund you know, he was six or seven years ago Um and now this is like the prize for him you know, he gets, he gets this massive salary and the chance to, I don't know manage an English club, he, he said he always wanted to do it but like, Dortmund have like Thomas Tuckle now, maybe Thomas Tuchel is like the guy who Maybe he's, he's the actually the guy you want managing your team now. You yeah. know what I mean, maybe, uh, and there's kind of a few examples of that. But because the Premier League is so rich, it's like only a star manager will will suffice now. You can't take, you can't bring in a guy like Thomas Tuchel. You risk the Christian Gross situation. You know, it's like who is this guy? Yeah, you know what Arsenal did in 1996. It's difficult to imagine any. It's, it's impossible to imagine Arsenal doing that now. Yeah, it's like look at Man United now. It's it's like if they don't have Van Hal, who who do they get? It's like there's a short list of about three. You know, it's like Mourinho, Guardiola, Ancelotti. Like nobody else is famous enough. No, like gigs. Well, gigs. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody wants to see Ryan Giggs giving his head. Really, don't they? Yeah, I think so. I'd yeah. like to see that. Everybody wants that. <laughs> what what are Manchester United so afraid of? You know. Yeah. What could it be? Why why. Uh, why are you afraid to back yourselves?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, look, it can't be much worse than Van Hal, can it? Or maybe it can. Maybe that's what we want.
1: Well, I mean, I think I'm 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 a bit surprised by how badly everything has gone with Van Hal. Um, I mean, I think when we were talking about it at the start of the season, we were saying this could get a sense. This could go either way here. You know, mm. everyone is everyone is kind of aboard the Van Hal party bus at the moment, but. You know, if things if it breaks down, the mood could turn ugly pretty fast. Yeah. And it's and it's amazing how quickly it that did happen. Um and I, I don't I don't think Giggs has really actually helped very much with some of his behaviour.
0: No, I I thought it was quite interesting the other week when Giggs got up, uh they were losing whoever at home to somebody and Giggs got up and uh, you know, stood on the sideline and and waved his arms about and did some shouting and Van Hal's philosophy as well nothing I shout at them from the sideline is, is going to make any difference in the heat of a game. Yeah. You know, unless you're giving specific instructions to a specific player to tell the rest of the team, you know, just uh, gesticulating from the sideline isn't going to do anything. You're just trying to make yourself look... Yeah, yeah. managerial, mm-hmm. which is g- kind of what Giggs was doing, I guess.
1: Uh, well, he was doing that. He was also contradicting Van Gaal's philosophy. We know how important the philosophy philosophy is to Van Hal. And he was also... Physically separating himself from Van Hall at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it just—it seemed fairly uh, pointed. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Uh, I mean, everyone would, people, maybe were rushing to judgment. But you know, if you looked at the situation, I think most people would come to the same conclusion about what was going on between mm. those guys.
0: Speaking of managers, uh, uh, when we spoke back in August, we talked a bit about Jose Mourinho. And how even at that point, before the season had even kicked off, there was a sense that he was creating a a maelstrom of whatever was going on. And you sort of posited that, you know, there was something going on. He's crazier than you think. Yeah, he's crazier (laughs) than you think. But also that, that, you know, he's a guy who knows what he's doing for the most part. You know, that there was probably some method to his madness, if you like. But even still, were you surprised at, at the way things went for Chelsea
1: yeah uh, oh yeah absolutely because you, you just you didn't think it was possible for them to lose that many games I mean you didn't think it was possible for them to for so many players simultaneously to uh, fall off a cliff um, you had a guy like Ivanovic who was remember not just one of the best defenders but also the the attacking heartbeat of the, the team you know <laughs> the, the the sort of clutch goal scorer you know yeah. the guy who, who who they'd look to to dig them out of a time, and time. <laughs> Suddenly he's he's just like running into himself. You know he's running around in circles. What's what's happening to me? Mm. Diego Costa obviously just sulking. Fabregas uh, just u- utterly pathetic. You know, completely pathetic performances from him. Uh, so many times, just trundling around after a guy who had turned him in midfield. I mean, we've we've all seen it happen to Fabregas so many times this season. Um, you know and you're thinking how, how is this how is it possible for them all to and Hazard of course hasn't scored since like last season or you know hasn't scored in the league I think since May Right. so it's, it's insane uh, so you couldn't have you just couldn't have foreseen that happening although Mourinho at the time was, was beginning to act a little bit crazy I mean the I think we were just talking after the Community Shield wasn't it and, yeah. he'd, and he'd done that whole weird thing afterwards like obviously he'd lost to Arsenal for the first time and then he had had kind of made a show of himself uh during the afters, you know, and, and shaking hands with all the Arsenal players, kind of this ostentatious display of what was it a display of exactly? Yeah. Just his his inability to deal with with losing a game is what it was a display of. You know, his his kind of um thrashing around, you know, and, and that sort of thrashing you know, Mourinho's given always a lot of credit for being cunning and Machiavellian and and crafting his his messages but this was just an idiot sort of thrashing around who needs to just you just need to get off the pitch you yeah. just need to get, get get through the tunnel and into the dressing room and away from the cameras because this is embarrassing yeah. and it just kind of went on like every week there was some new thing that he just kept uh, I mean I thought the, the weirdest one was the uh, the one after uh, when they lost to Southampton they lost three one to Southampton at home and he then did that uh, seven and a half minute like sentence yeah. Remember that? Yeah. And he, and he come, you know, and the weird thing about that was he, he, he was the one who introduced the idea at that point of him being sacked. Uh, yeah. I, I had a theory about this. I thought that, you know, basically everything that he
0: did was part of a plan to get himself sacked in some weird way whether it was self-destructive or whether it was uh, exactly what he wanted after signing a massive new deal having won the title and having looked around at a squad that was you know we talked about it you you said it uh, uh, back in August that the squad was really small that if mm. they had a couple of injuries to key players or if a couple of uh, key players lost form they didn't have the depth to do it mm. so he's as uh, aware of that as anybody else and pretty much everything that he did you could look at and say, well, that was that was deliberate, that mm-hmm. was provocative, that was a way to make your position more and more and insecure. Yeah. You know, we look at what, what happened with the doctor and the physio, a completely ridiculous situation that he knew fine well was out of their control, but he made it into such a massive thing that it that it had a huge impact. That seven-minute rant, there was another one, wasn't there, where he said, I've got nothing, to, nothing say, to say, nothing, nothing to say, to say yeah. nothing to say, you know, and then he must have realized that the, the relationships that he had with players and there were some players named and i think it's pretty obvious when you look at how a couple of them are playing now as opposed to how they were
1: playing before yeah.
0: you know his style
1: not like, fabregas I mean, we should say no, yeah, oh, not not, not fabregas he was yeah uh, yeah he was loyal to, to the end <laughs> but you know
0: th- this idea that a manager like him had no idea how to turn a team that had been champions how to turn her like it's not a case that he could couldn't do it.
1: Is that he didn't want to do. He it. He wouldn't do. It. Yeah. He, yeah. Well, I, I think I think to an extent, maybe he couldn't do it as well. But I think he, he's he, he's he's unable to deal. He's unable to accept responsibility. He's unable to deal with this kind of defeat. If if the team has collapsed, then there has to be. It has to be because the team is full of traitors, rats, scum. <laughs> uh, you know, people who who just want to go to. Uh, Majorca and DJ all the time. you know this was this was like uh, he, he, er, there has to be all these problems. He was almost blowing open everything that was that was wrong at the club. Uh, I think in an effort to, to say ha, you know what am I supposed to do when I'm surrounded by these rats? <laughs> you know, hey, have you ever tried to you know get a bunch of rats playing playing football four three three? You know they don't yeah. they don't have the brain power to do it. You know they're, they're cunning rodents. You know they're, <laughs> they're, they're, you, but you can't get them to to work together. That was what he was saying. It was it's not my fault. In other words, yeah, there was no question that he might be in any way responsible for it. No, you no, know. and he, he, like the worse the more he criticised them, the worse he made them out to be. The less or you know he he was saying things like you know I took this team to a very high level last season and now they've gone back to their true level you know and, and it, I mean the last thing he, he'd he said was they've betrayed my work the, the players have betrayed my work if anyone just like I'm saying the word betrayed and you know the, the guys who were covering that game had, me, had made the point I remember Daniel Taylor saying he, he, he made sure to say betrayed in every separate interview that he did you know yeah, it's yeah. like so you know you can't you can't do that you know you can't do that and keep your job so it did look as though he was trying to get out of it yeah uh, why he would have wanted to do that, though, I don't know. I mean, you met the doctor, you mentioned the doctor thing. The doctor was the, that was the most interesting episode because I don't think that was, I don't think he meant that to go the way it did, but it was it was like a thing that gathered its own momentum, which he kept compounding. He made mistake after mistake. The initial getting angry with her uh, in that moment during the match, that was not such a big deal. That was like, you know, arrogant egomaniac loses temper at you know uh, underling Pfft, okay not great at the same time no big deal uh, what he then did though was go and have a go at her like you know publicly after like he he made sure to mention in in his interviews to to make a thing of this yeah so suddenly this he turned it into like a big story people you know if he if he'd kind of said oh you know I lost my temper you know I was just I was a bit tense you know whatever <laughs> it would have been like, okay, whatever, we'll just move on from that. But instead it became this lip readers are going, oh, he's called her a son of a bitch, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And then he obviously, then so people started Facebooking, you know, saying, oh, you know, don't listen to that guy. You were just doing your job. You know, this is terrible. Like, Mm. you know, we support you. And she ended up writing on Facebook like, you know, day and a half later or something, thanks for the support. At which point he, uh, apparently enraged by this, uh, threat to his authority, demoted her. You know, try and effectively tried to you know mm. you constructive know, dismissal. dismissal yeah, is yeah. what she's claiming in the in the case, and she looks like a pretty solid case to me. But that was like him being unable to accept that he'd made a mistake, and then making it worse with every subsequent action until eventually he had he looked like a, such a. A dick. Yeah. That was the he just looked like a dick. Everybody was like, Can you believe what he's done? <laughs> well, I, mean, all his, I mean, everybody outside the club obviously was like, well, I mean, I don't know what he thinks he's doing here. But imagine the players all looking at him going, You're actually just a dick. <laughs> we thought we thought you were you know, You're some literally thought you were great, but this is just <laughs> yeah, what, are you, yeah, yeah. what are you doing? This is pathetic. Yeah. And 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 he's suddenly shrinking, shrinking, yeah. shrinking in the eyes. It's like those built up heels have have disappeared and he's kinda of down sure. to Smaller, getting smaller and smaller in their eyes, and suddenly they just can't quite get that yeah. that crucial dig up, Jose. Yeah. Dig up,
0: you know. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, look, you know, I think it was only ever going to end
0: one way, um, and it was it was amusing, but I, I did enjoy the work he did this season. It was um, it was fun mm. for me, anyway. Mm, um, when we spoke, then you you had tipped Arsenal for the the Premier League, and Arsenal are top of the Premier League as it stands, without necessarily being. 100% convincing throughout the season. You might sort of say a 7 out of 10 in in the Premier League. Um, how do you view the prospects
1: now? Very good. I mean, because it's it's really, I think it's only Arsenal Manchester City. Well, there's Tottenham as well. But I think Tottenham just don't have enough players. You know, I mean, Tottenham are very good at the moment. And they've got a real good attitude. And they're, only, they're the only team... In the top four, who haven't? Well, Leicester haven't. In fairness, you see the thing is, I don't, I don't think Leicester are going to be there at the end of the season. I mean no. okay. You can see they haven't scored in three matches now. You know they've had they've been on a ridiculous run, but like it has to revert to normal, yeah, or something more approximating normal. I mean, that they'll, they'll, they'll probably finish in the top six, which is which is pretty amazing. But I, you know, I don't see them as like a title contender. So if you look at the three Arsenal. Um, Man City and Tottenham. I, mean, I think Man United are probably too far back at this stage. Um, Twenty
0: nine uh, points, isn't it? Yeah,
1: but you, know, can, you can't see them putting things like if they won ten matches in a row. Mm. Suddenly, but like, you know they're obviously not going to do that. Yeah, you know, I, I, I don't see how that's going to happen. I mean, unless all these these teams we were talking about earlier just down tools in the second half the seasons. go, well, you know, we're obviously not going to get relegated. That's Villa plus, you know, probably Sunderland and Newcastle and. You know, yeah. maybe Swansea and not us, so... <laughs> We're all right. Yeah, so so maybe maybe the top teams will start to exert a bit more control or maybe you'll see them starting to put together runs like that. And and okay, a run like that would put Manchester United back in it, but at the moment they, I don't think they're capable of it. But Tottenham are the only... Are, you know, Arsenal got thrashed by Southampton. Um Man City were were thrashed at home by Liverpool and away to Tottenham Tottenham have not lost I don't think by, by more than a goal mm. all season I mean they're very difficult to beat they're you know you saw them at Everton the other day um, still well I mean I, I, I some of the reports I heard afterwards saying oh he, they're looking a bit tired John Harkin's looking a bit tired he didn't look tired to me you know he looked he uh, looked I thought it's still kind of strong and energetic, so it's a very high energy game
0: they play though, isn't yeah. it? So maybe in the second half of the season they might find physically it's it's difficult to keep that up for for 90 minutes week in week. Out.
1: and uh, yeah, and they need the same guy like, like they need Harry Kane to be there every week mm. you know like they, they they don't have anyone else who can do what he does. Uh, I mean I most teams are like that they have you know one or two of players who are their best and they need them to be playing, but <clears throat> Kane is <clears throat> they just don't have anyone really who can step in for him I mean they've got barely any other strikers in their squad you know mm. it's not just a case of strikers aren't as good they just don't have any others mm. um, so I don't know I mean if they're if they're the three it's, you think Tottenham maybe are, are not don't quite have <clears throat> sorry if Tottenham had a couple of the attacking players Arsenal have uh, then yeah they might be favourites Arsenal uh, are up against Man City then who are like a lazy team a lazy mm-hmm you know can we be bothered sometimes we can but mm, a lot of the time no yeah and uh their their best player probably this season has been has been uh, kept well their most important player you know, everyone has seen the statistics, the trumpeted statistics about Vincent Company. You know, like they concede, what, eight times as many goals when he's not playing as when he is. And yeah, they, yeah, they know yeah. When he plays, they never lose and always win. And when he doesn't play, they always lose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably the most important player in that uh, in, in that sense. The, uh, Kevin De Bruyne has been really good. But like, you know, he's what, 22, 23 in his first season at the club, you know. It's kind of ridiculous that he's their best player. Yeah, you know. What,
0: what do you think about the the managerial situation there, and can that play a part in the second half of the season? Because pretty much everybody knows Pellegrini is gone. I won't say he's a dead man walking. I mean, that's that's a little over the top. But like we a know rich man
1: walking, a rich, a rich dead man, a rich, yeah. somewhat disinterested, yeah. elegant man walking. Uh, walking. You know.
0: <laughs> we know Guardiola's going to go there next season. Do Psychologically, we know we know that? yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, not unquestionably. Sure. I mean, uh, yeah. without
1: doubt, there's no question in my mind he's gone there. You don't think he? You don't think Old Man United might have a have a hope there? Um, no, no, no. I don't think
0: so. I think it's. I think it's done and dusted with with City. It does look that way. Yeah. I mean, everybody.
1: Yeah, it it, it. it. That seems the most likely come Right.
0: So will that will can that have a psychological impact on the motivation of the players and even the manager? I mean, I think the manager, as a professional, will want to do the best job possible and send yeah. his team out and, like, walk away. If he walks away as a, a, a Premier League winner, then, you know, he yeah. can feel quite good about himself and say, I won the league and still got, like, uh, Del Bosque getting sacked from uh, Real Madrid after winning the Champions League. You know, that kind of a thing. You walk away with your reputation fully intact. But from a player's point of view,
1: could it make a difference? <clears throat> well, I mean, the players have to know that they're also. Guardiola's watching what they're doing, you know? Mm-hmm. Whether whether he likes what he's seeing, they don't know yet. They don't presumably have the opportunity to get any feedback from him. But I guess if he's looking at players who are, you know, not putting in any effort, players who are not even trying, then he might think to himself, do I need this guy? I mean, there's a lot of players out there. Yeah, like, You know, most of them will want to play for me and the club can buy them. So do I really need this guy who doesn't try when he thinks... You know what's on the line—only a Premier League title. Mm. Why should I try? You know when when the stakes are so small that there's only the league title at stake. Why (laughs) why why should I uh, give my best? You know if that was if that was the actually, but I I do think it has to have an effect. You know everyone knows this Pellegrini regime is futureless, including Pellegrini. Every time you see that. Happening. Well, this I say every time, but then you've got the Yupincas exception, you know, the Barn yeah. Munich exception where he was replaced by Guardiola in the same sort of circumstances and they win everything. Um that was a yeah, I mean, usually what happens is, you know, what happened with Ferguson? I think what ha- the same thing happened with Ericsson, at Lazio. I remember when he was yeah. he was the manager of Lazio and agreed to take over England and then had to leave Lazio a little while afterwards. I think I think that's what happened. I'm not 100% sure on that actually. Maybe they he become a bit of a lame duck. No, I'm wrong about that actually. That was okay. earlier in the season. All right. Forget everything I just said. All right. Uh a manager who is who everyone knows isn't going to be there for much longer is like, uh, I don't know, but may, maybe the fact that they're that they they already their new manager has in a sense already been appointed means isn't is a counterbalancing motivation. One way or the other, they just don't seem to turn up for every mm. game. You know, they they um and, and Aguero can't play all the time you know he's he's uh, an amazing player who's like playing 70 minutes yeah. sometimes going off with a hamstring injury a lot uh, cold know. weather doesn't suit him I don't think I just don't think <laughs> that, I mean the, just this kind of football doesn't suit him you know he's. Yeah. Not, it's, the, you you <clears throat> some of these players are being uh, uh, you know I mean who? there was a couple of examples of them playing the other night for Liverpool against Stoke guys like Adam Lalana and Joe Allen, mm. and you think, obviously, you know, you know, uh, say if Liverpool want to improve the team, these are guys they might want to look at replacing in the team. But who would take those players? You know, they, it's like they're 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 getting paid quite a lot, yeah, and they're kind of unsuitable for this type of football that the Premier League is turning into. You know, they're kind of physically not really the kind of super. Uh, specimens that Premier League teams increasingly want, you know. Yeah. Um, and you, Sergio Aguero, I mean, Sergio Aguero is, is an extraordinary athlete in his way. You know, he's kind of, he's got the short stock, he loves centre gravity. But like in terms of playing all these games you got to play, being kicked around, having to run up and down as much as you do in the Premier League, phew, it really doesn't suit him, you yeah. know. <laughs> he, he would be, he needs a more Uh, sedate let's say where he can play in bursts a little bit more rather than just draining slog that the Premier League is so is there something to be said for an Arsenal team that sits
0: top of the league without uh, you know, a, a lot of players this season. The Arsenal injury issue has been one that's gone on for a long time. But Jack Wilshire hasn't played all season. Welbeck hasn't played all season. Rosicki hasn't played all season. Alexis is out injured. Uh, Oxley, Chamberlain, Ramsey, Walcott—they've all been out injured. Arteta's out injured. Coquelin's injured. Cazorla's injured. And this is a team that's what still. Raymond, at the top of team. What does
1: Raymond Verheyen have to say about
0: it? <laughs> <laughs> someone said you see that this morning that he did a tweet about you know Liverpool's injuries. Oh yeah, yeah somebody tweeting that he just does hundreds of those tweets about you know uh, <laughs> he just like puts them away he just deletes the ones so that don't come true
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean I don't know he, he's with that Arsenal situation he, he it's, it's time that he stepped up and wrote to the European Court of Human Rights about this because <laughs> this is a scandal. And is he just going to stand idly by, just tweeting about this, or is he going to do something? Is he gonna Where do is something his to sense of responsibility hamstrings? to these players? Yeah. He's got to he's got to get out there and, and act. You know, they have had injuries. I mean, it's it's amazing how well they've coped with them. They have coped with them because, uh, like Mesut Ozil has suddenly just hit another level. You know mm-hmm. that nobody thought he was going to hit. I mean, this is. Like this time last year, everyone was like, Oh, so what is he doing here? This guy's a fraud. You know, that, that was literally maybe, maybe not quite at this stage last year, maybe last uh, autumn 2014. You know, people were looking at going, This guy's this yeah, it just it congratulations you- to Arsenal buying the worst worst footballer in Germany. You know, how much did he cost again? You know, what a joke. This, yeah, is-
0: there were people saying, you know, the, the, the famous one from uh. I think it was Neil Ashton from the Daily Mail saying that he was he was nicking a living. Yeah, you yeah, know, which of course yeah. is complete bullshit. You know, it's it's hyperbole, uh, hyperbole rather. Yeah. Um, you know, but yeah, look, he he has really sparked into life this season, and uh, he's he's driven arsehole. Um, pretty much in the absence of Alexis as well when people said oh that that's going to be the guy there's the individualist mm. who Arsenal need to win certain games and I think that's true to an extent but I think since he's since he's been out Arsenal have won six out of seven
1: yeah I mean it's a, someone I can't remember who you know this is the problem when you're following football all the time is just you just hear like hundreds of people talking all the time yeah. giving sometimes interesting opinions I can't even remember who was talking about <laughs> Sanchez <laughs> oh like Ozil plays much better without Sanchez you know that was something I heard I thought does he um, yeah. I don't know um, I think that Sanchez I'd, I mean if I had to pick just one of those players I would pick Sanchez um, you know to have in my team mm. I think that he's just got that uh, kind of competitiveness which Ozil doesn't doesn't always show, you know. Maybe it's just the way that Ozil looks and walks around. You know,
0: it, it is to an extent, and the way that he runs, uh, you know, he does he does an awful lot more work than people think. You know, I think when people look at him and say, "Oh, look, there he is again to pick up the ball in space." Uh, oh, look, there he is again to pick up, and they don't quite realize that he's got to do an awful lot of work to Together. get into that space. Yeah,
1: um, and was, he is quite languid and and what have you, but. What he's doing at the moment, just, I mean, his, uh, he just, ne- he doesn't need to take any extra touches at all. So it's unbelievable. You know, it's like he always knows what's going to happen. Uh, you know, as he's coming onto the ball, he touches it in exactly the way he needs to in order to pass it immediately, or he just passes it the first time. Mm. Um, there's no wasted fractions of a second, uh, with the way that he's playing at the moment. And yeah, I mean, it's not as though it's just him. There's, I think most of them are playing pretty well. Mm. You know, they haven't really had any, uh, goalkeeper's obviously been very good yeah made a um, big difference yeah and he, you know the, the, when you've got to go I mean Chesney you know he used to throw a lot of balls in like <laughs> he really did he was he, you know he was kind of you sent, you you felt oh Chesney you know he gets the club and all you know he really mm. loves playing for Arsenal but like if he could only stop throwing the ball into his own net and then yeah.
0: Yeah. I think maybe, you know, I I think there was a lot of potential there, but I don't think his head was right, but I also think with the benefit of hindsight that perhaps what made Chesney so popular and and maybe looked so good was the fact that uh he was following Almunia and Fabianski. Mm. You know, so I and think that was, was a, of,
1: he, at least he was big.
0: yeah, but he was also an upgrade. Mm. You know, he was a clear upgrade on those, but in the same way that Czech is a very clear upgrade on on Chesney.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Chesney could figure out how to be a goalkeeper. I wouldn't put it beyond him. <clears throat> you know he he could be a good, good goalkeeper at some mm. point. I mean he has he has got a lot going going from as, as a goalkeeper just without the kind of understanding of what should I do that's the only he can do he's got all these options he's kind of a big springy guy you know he's good at like the sort of jumping around part of being a goalkeeper he's just not good at deciding what to actually do part which is which is which is probably more important yeah so but you know he could always he could always figure it out Czech has always been good at both I think Mm. I mean maybe more so now at the at the understanding than the than the sort of now that he's in his mid-30s you know uh, than the actual jumping around but he's, you know, he's been great so and you know Bellerin is very good um, you know I thought they'd miss Cazorla maybe a bit more than they have mm. uh, Giroud is scoring a lot of goals I mean I don't like Giroud you know I don't I don't I don't think that he's I know a lot of I know it's a sore subject with some Arsenal fans but I don't really think that he's uh, you know a top level Striker, I don't really. think anybody thinks he's a top level striker,
0: though. I think I think that there's a desire for Arsenal to have a top level striker, and I think Giroud gets criticized because he's, he's not. not yeah. But I don't know that there are too many people who who say he's a top level striker who's not performing like a top level striker. Mm-hmm. I think you know he's he's a very, very good striker, but definitely a level below the, the elite. You yeah. know, there's no question about he's that.
1: scoring, he's at least you know, if he's scoring goals, I mean. You know, you'd say, I mean, he obviously performed in that game against Olympiakos when when they really needed it. Mm. You'd still say that's only Olympiakos. But haven't Olympiakos set a recent a record for the number of matches they've won in a row, or something, yeah. you know, something, something like that? Um, it's not an easy game to win away to Olympiakos. But you, you also need somebody to score against um, score against all the teams that you're supposed to beat. Uh, otherwise, you don't beat those teams. And yeah. Giroud is doing that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, look, you know, get Alexis back and in the side, and you know, we'll see what happens. So, are you you're sticking with your prediction of Arsenal?
1: I think so, just because they're they're less. They I think they wanted a bit more than Man City at this stage. City are just a bit. They're too inconsistent. They should they should be better. But I mean, you saw they played Arsenal recently, and it was just they, they only started to play in the last ten minutes. Mm. You know, there was uh, and Yaya Toure was was kind of the. You know, personified their performance. You know, he 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 did nothing in the game, and then ran it for the last fifteen minutes and scored a great goal. And you, you thought, well, how are they losing this? You know, mm. how they, but then it was too late; they'd already lost. So I think they, uh, I think Arsenal will. Yeah, I, I would. If I, you can't, you can't say anything with confidence about Arsenal. I mean, remember the last time we were talking about them, they promptly lost. Was it 2-0? Yeah, the opening day, <laughs> And <yeah>. Petr <Petrczyk> yeah. <laughs> made a terrible mistake. And so, so those kinds of things can always happen. But um, yeah, I, th- I, I would say of the three teams who can win at this stage, they're the most likely to win. Yeah, still. All right.
0: Okay. Well, listen, uh, we'll see what happens in May, and uh, we'll catch up with you again, uh, I'm sure, in the near future. Thanks a million, Ken.
1: Thanks, Andrew. Great. Thanks for having me.
0: There you go. Good chat with Ken, and you can find him on Twitter, at Ken Earlies. That's at Ken Earlies, and of course, he's part of the Second Captains podcast crew. Uh, you can find it on the IrishTimes.com forward slash Second Captains, I think. But if not, uh, just go into iTunes or you know go into whatever podcasting app you use. What's your favorite one? I don't quite know. I don't know. How would I know? I like uh, Pocket Casts on Android. That's a really good one if you want to use that one. But anyway, just search for Second Captains, subscribe and download, and you can listen to, to more Ken whenever you like. So look, uh, that was that big long chat. And of course, we've got a FA Cup game. A FA Cup game? An FA Cup game. There I go, annoying the grammar again. An FA Cup game tomorrow against Sunderland. Now, Sam Allardyce was giving out this week about having to play Premier League games in midweek after this FA Cup game and Sunderland's predicament of course is is very um, is very precarious down towards the bottom of the table and he's saying it's a disgrace and a holy show and a, it's a travesty and all kinds of things that they're playing Premier League games in midweek after these FA Cup games and it means he has no choice as a manager but to rest players and rotate his squad and, and give a chance to some players who don't normally play because he needs them fit to pick up the Premier League points that they need which is all very understandable But he's having one of those weeks isn't he He's like he's complaining about uh, Jürgen Klopp he's been Criticizing him all over the place calling him What did he call him a, a soft German soft German I mean well you know what does that Mean that he's like a Squidgy In the middle and stuff or his character is none of it I don't know what it is But anyway he's in this war of words With with uh, Jürgen Klopp and he's, you know, using uh, the, the Raymond Verhaen, who we were just talking about with Ken there. He's, he's, he's on his side, Raymond Verhaen. I mean, come on. This is a guy on Twitter. I know we just spoke about him, but, but why does he still have an orange egg for his avatar? Why can't he just put up a picture of himself? What's wrong with him? It's just ridiculous. Anyway, you, uh, Sam Allardyce, he's going mad. He's complaining about everyone and Everything. You know he's going to get to the Emirates on on Saturday and he'll complain that this grass is too green and these seats are too foldy. This tunnel is just too tunnelly. What's going on here? He'll be complaining in his press conference after the game when hopefully he's been beaten. He'll be going the lines on the pitch. What's what's going on with those lines? They were so linear. That's the problem with football these days. He'll say everything's just so so exact lines and corner flags and penalty areas and nets in the goal. Don't get him started about the nets in the goal. And the fans, the fans turning up and making noise. I mean, what's going on? So he'll give out about everything and hopefully the result, in particular, the result. Um, but, you know, he's talking about resting and rotating a squad. And there's been a lot of talk that Arsene Wenger might do the same and might have to do the same. I think he does. He's got to. He's got to look ahead at what we've got in the next two games. After this Sunderland game, we go away to Liverpool and away to Stoke. Two very difficult games. Even if all of Liverpool's hamstrings have gone, thanks to Raymond Verhaen, orange egg avatar, man, it's still a very tough fixture. And Stoke away, you know, they might play a bit more football this time around, be a bit more expansive, perhaps a little less strangly, if, uh, if Charlie Adam isn't playing, there's a bit less chance of one of your players being mutilated or violated or touched in their special area. But they're still going to be a very tough opponent to beat away from home. We don't normally do that well at the Britannia Stadium. So I think Arsene Wenger has to take that into account. The difficulty, of course, is that with so many players still out injured, Alexis is still out. The manager revealing yesterday that Alexis won't be back in time for this particular game, which is understandable. It would have been too much of a risk, but maybe, you know, if he'd been right, we could have given him 20 minutes at the end. You know, he's not going to be ready. Arsene Wenger says it's a precaution and it'll take a few more days. He's not bad, but he's not ready. So we'll have to wait and see what that means uh, for the game against... um, against Liverpool and Anfield. Uh, we still know uh, Sandy Cazorla, no Danny Welbeck, no Jack Wilshere, uh, no Thomas Rzitzki, who's not far away now, apparently. And then you're looking at somebody like Mesut Ozil, you know, who's looked a bit tired, a little bit leggy in the last few games. Do we need to give him a rest? Yes, we do need to give him a rest. But then who plays in that position? How do we fill that particular gap? Do we go with all these youngsters? What, what youngsters We've got Iwobi on the bench and the Jeff on the bench. Sure, give him a run. But, you know, you run the risk, of course, of equalizing things a bit too much in terms of the team. But I think where we are, and we said this in the Arscast Extra on Monday, where we are in the league right now, you have to look at prioritizing your fixtures to a certain extent. You want to win every game. You want to uh, build a momentum. But you have to be realistic that if we want to go for the Premier League title, like if we, if we played at Ozil and he like, picked up an injury in this game, people would go bananas. They'd be complaining like Sam Allardyce. And rightly so, I think. I think you've got to rest him. So there'll be a good few changes, I think, and uh, we'll have to wait and see exactly who those are. But the the other side of it is that we can't really rotate 11 players. We can't do that. So some of the players who have been playing all the games are going to have to play in this one too. So it's up to the manager to view who's going to be who's going to be fit, who's going to be readiest to do that. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what kind of a team selection we get. I'm sort of uh, hopeful that we go through. I like the FA Cup. We've had good times in the FA Cup. I don't think it's that much of a distraction if we go through. Um, uh, to another round. Perhaps it's a way when those games come around of giving time to recently returned players who've been out through injury. That's a fixture for them to, to get their teeth into and get some fitness in, at the very least, anyway. Uh, so we'll see. But hopefully we can, uh, we can do the business against Sunderland uh, because simply uh, I want us to win all the games we play in. And that's it. And I want Sam Allardyce to complain about things and stuff and stuff and things. And I think that's an ambition that most of us would share, right? So look, we're going to leave it there for this week because, um, well, time is marching ever onwards and um, I've run out of things to say, essentially. There's the dog barking. But look, let's leave it there. I'll be here on Monday with James. We'll have an Arsecast Extra looking back at what happened in the FA Cup against Sunderland, looking ahead to what's going to happen in the Premier League against Liverpool. Thank you very much, as always, for listening. It's much appreciated. I'll catch you on the Arsecast regular next Friday. I'll be here Monday with James. Until then, take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye.
2: 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 52 weeks a year, 10 years a decade, 100 years a century, 1,000 years a millennium. This is Spy News. On the hour. Every hour. It's three o'clock. The top story this hour. Petr Cech continues to astound the world of football. After his incredible exploits the other day when the Arsenal goalkeeper travelled from one point of London to another by train, he's been spotted out and about again with reports that he went to the supermarket to do some shopping. Incredible scenes here, incredible. We have live eyewitness testimony. Well, I was standing there just browsing through the batteries when I seen him come in the shop. I couldn't help but follow him around. He bought bread and milk and butter and cheese. So I thought to myself, he's going to be having a toasty cheese sandwich for his dinner. Remarkable. I thought all these footballers ate posh food, like turkey neck or gibbon. We contacted Petacek's agent to see if he had any comment to make on the situation and he sent us this statement. You people are complete fucking idiots. Where is this Petracek scandal going to lead next? We don't know, but you can be sure you'll find out first here on Spy News.